0: Please feel free to follow and like Romantic Truth on Facebook at facebook.com slash romantictruth. You may also listen to the podcast on anchor.fm slash romantictruth. Now, here is your host Jawson.
1: Hi everyone, Jawson with you here, Romantic Truth. Las Vegas. I hope everyone's doing well. Well, we've got a pretty good show for you today, and we got a good one for you tomorrow as well. Now, a couple of things that need to be addressed. It cracks me up sometimes to hear people complain about living in this country. Now, I'm not going to get on a patriotic uh, pedestal or anything, but one thing I am going to say is this. A lot of people were complaining about the way our government works, the way our prison system, all the way down. True enough, it's not even close to being perfect. Let's just face it. However, sometimes we fail to realize how good we have it compared to other nations. I can speak on this because I've been to other countries. You know... It's interesting, because the only people I hear complaining are the people who never left the country. The people who have come from other countries here, I don't hear the complaints as much. Unless they're here on a visa and they can't find anybody to marry them or something like that and they're ready to go back home. But outside of that, mm mm-mm. You know, I was sitting down with a friend of mine and she's from Nigeria and we were talking about some of the dynamics and she was talking about how hard hard it was in her country in order to make it. I tried to get her on the show but she didn't have time. She's getting ready to go back to Houston. But the one thing that I will give her credit for is this. She literally came here with her parents just telling her go and do the best you can they weren't able to come here she was able to come here and go to school she went on and got her master's degree she's doing pretty well for herself here and eventually she will have to go back home because she's in compliance with her visa and she'll probably come back over to the states again It was amazing to hear how appreciative she was. And she couldn't understand why people complain about something many people in the world wish they had. Student loans, those kind of things. In fact, this lady paid off all of her student loans. Because what she did basically was worked while she was going to school putting money away so that by the time she got out she had enough money at least to make a dent in what she owed and she paid the rest off from her jobs now we sit here and complain about no jobs, low pay, low wages but as I told you before when I was going through IT, taking all the classes for college and going through the MBA program in international business, I could literally count on one hand with three fingers the number of blanks here in America that pursued those fields, the stems. A lot of them signed up for IT initially class was full, like 45 people. Out of 45, there was only two of us left that actually completed the program. A lot of them chose to go and get a sociology degree. Many of you know that unless you have a license or some sort of uh, credential behind that, maybe a master's degree behind it, It's going to be tough for you to make it. Because many of these state and federal agencies require it. You might wind up with something on a non-profit. But a lot of them didn't even do that. And they wound up working the same mundane jobs. Paying off their loans and telling their kids not to go to college because it was a waste of money. this is what held people back for many many years in this country because we're of the old mindset that we need to go and do as others have done in the past see the one thing that people from other countries get that generation that's trying to push them forward the one thing they tell them is don't look back look ahead But what we've done, for the most part, we've been looking back so much until we tripped over our future. We're still arguing about reparations. We're still dealing with issues pertaining to police officers and brutality. Yet, some of the very people that are victimized by the police in the African American community don't want their kids to grow up to be officers they don't want their no kids to grow up to be policemen things are never going to change until that happens you look at the Irish you look at the Italians they had a rough time when they first got here not as rough as black folks sure enough but what did they do? started getting people in their community to do more things that pertain to their community so they had a voice in it. So therefore they didn't have to worry about being subjugated. You look at the term paddywag. That term was coined because in New York When they would go and pick up Irish men that were drunk. We use a lot of terms today and don't really know the meaning of them. As I told you before, the word motherfucker. You notice most black people use that word. I even use it. What? Where was the origin of it? Well, in the late 1800s, well, mid-1800s they would not allow slaves to be brought into the United States anymore. England started it off and the U.S. followed. Brazil came on later. And so what happened, you had a finite number of slaves in America. Being that there were no more imports, many of the plantations and the slave owners had some of them inbred. these people had no choice well they had the choice of dying if they didn't do it of being abused even more and so that became a derogatory term young people sleeping with their parents just to increase the numbers of slaves that could work the fields. Now this became a real issue when it came down to the cotton gin. Oh yeah, we see that nice little pristine picture of the cotton gin itself. But that's just the top of it. That is the part that goes up in the top portion of the barn. Down below, someone had to run it. And it was usually a beast of burden, such as a mule or donkey, or even a slave, or several slaves. That's the part they leave out. A lot of people think that, oh, well, the cotton gin was created, so therefore labor was much easier for them. No. It increased the demand to pick more cotton. The cotton gin separated the seed, but it still had to be picked the demand was still there for that it increased when we look at terms such as sold down the river slave owners in places like Missouri, Arkansas Tennessee when they wanted to make extra money or lend lease their slaves they would send them down the Mississippi River to the Mississippi Delta in different places, but they can get a higher price for their labor. Pick and cotton. The term knocked up. In many cases, if a young black girl was pregnant, they put a smock or a cape over her, or they'd turn her away from the audience to get people to gather around to see her and sometimes they would put lard over their bodies especially if they were sickly standing out there in that hot sun naked but then they'd turn her around and they would see that she's pregnant after they got enough bids or take off her smock and what they meant by knocked up, it knocked up the price for that slave because she was pregnant these are things in our history these are things that my father told me about as well as his father and his father's father who was born a slave I'm only about two generations away, maybe three. My father was born in 1897. He saw a lot. He was the first person that told me about Tulsa. I was a kid then. I was a little thing. I didn't know anything about it. And the woke generation just found out about it. Folks, some people have been not only woke, but hyper-vigilant all their lives. You see, with the Great Migration going north after the Civil War, there a lot of people that wanted to forget many of those things, those atrocities, those horrible things that happened. they didn't want to pass that legacy of that burden onto their children and so there was a gap for generations for them not knowing and now that they're discovering something that actually happened in their past they're a lot more sensitive in some cases they're upset because they didn't know these things existed in their past One thing that we have to remember is that if we keep looking back, we're going to always stumble forward. If you look at many of these other people coming here to this country, a lot of them don't even see an EBT card. A lot of them don't even see food stamps. Some don't even see student loans. Because, see, there's a whole different dynamic culturally with them. They help each other despite their differences. We've been so fragmented that if someone tries to do something positive, we try to pull them back. The old analogy of crabs in a barrel. When you look at the black community, just like many other communities, not just black, you have a group of people that are at the top. You have some that are struggling and doing the right thing. You have others that are frustrated and they think they have a better way. Yet you have others that play by the rules and they still lose. And yet you have this contingent that say, I don't know why you went to school. I don't know why you did this or why you did that. It's not going to matter to anything. You're just going to wind up being one of us. It's not going to change. That's the pessimism that keeps us poor. That's the pessimism that keeps us from going forward because we're still looking back and stumbling forward. I've had a chance in my life to experience a lot of things, have a lot of fun, meet a lot of people, travel. And one thing that I've learned, more so than anything, perception will have a major impact on the way you perceive life in general. I'm talking about self-perception now. You know, it seems like the common bond is some sort of crisis or struggle. Seems like that's when everybody gets pissed off and everybody get together for a brief moment. Despite the strata that they're in financially or religiously or anything else. And then as soon as that crisis is over, everybody scatters. Yes, we deal with racism. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and tell you that it doesn't exist. It does. However, sometimes that is used as a scapegoat. We all know this. We know there are people that didn't show up for work and they're saying that the boss was racist. Hell, some of them even show up for work for black people and still say the boss is racist. The boss is a classist. The boss is trying to act like he's all that. And what happens is this perpetual mindset of victimhood works to our disadvantage. Now, I'm no Republican or no conservative. I'm a moderate. I used to be a liberal Democrat years ago. But I gave that up because I saw where it was going. And where it was going is that you had some handlers in the Democratic Party that would always feed us the whole thing about don't worry, we'll speak for you. You're the oppressed victims and we'll take care of you. Many of the Republicans, they're descendants of the people that were once in the Democratic Party and didn't wanna have nothing to do with blacks being incorporated in the party. When John F. Kennedy ran for office, he saw the exodus. Fannie Lou Hamer tried to be seated. That was a problem. People in Mississippi back in the day didn't know that they could get public assistance. Because it was all based on self-reliance. I remember my own family. Nobody in my family was on public assistance. I was growing up. It was an embarrassing thing. Because people looked at it, you go into the white man for a handout. While other white folks went to the white man for a handout. It was a sense of pride. However, looking back on it, it was also a sense of ignorance. Because what they would do is take those funds that were given by the federal government for the people's welfare, for them to use, and a lot of these politicians actually used it as a means to make money. Some of them even lived on the same plantations their ancestors did. And they would borrow money from the landowner that was getting that government money and charging these people interest. There was a lot of exploitation that took place. Now I'll be one to tell you I have faced racism many times over in my life. Being from Mississippi, even in California, even here in Nevada, even in some countries overseas. So I'm not exempt by no stretch. I'm not immune. But when someone does something positive and they happen to have the same paint job you do, It doesn't necessarily mean that they're better than you or they're trying to be better than you. They just have a different focus than you. They're not your adversary. Why do you think many of these African Americans who become wealthy try to get out of the hood? Try to leave? They're doing it because they don't want to be brought down for their efforts to try to better themselves. See, it used to be a time when a black person did something, they had support. I remember as a kid watching on black and white TV, folks, when people like Steve Lynn Mars, Stevie Wonder, was on the Ed Sullivan show. Or any of the other artists back in the day, Dion Warwick, when she was young. What we were hoping for was that that black artist did not mess up, did not get the wrong note, did not stumble. They had that much pressure on them. Muhammad Ali, we used to worry about him all the time, thinking that at any point, somebody's going to take him out like they did Malcolm or Martin Luther King. But this was the thing, though. People had a certain respect for each other. That's when the men were in the household. That's when the father would tell the daughter, you're not going anywhere in that dress. Not as long as you live under this roof. You go in there and change those clothes. Put something on decent. You're my child. You're not everybody's kid. Yeah, but daddy, I want to be like something. No, you're going to be like you. And I'ma help you be like you by guiding you to what you should be like for yourself. Many of those men were trying to tell their daughters, I want you to be a better woman. Even a better woman than your mother. Because they wanted me to have a chance, a shot. Mama probably didn't have the education. Daddy probably didn't either. But he wanted his child to go to college. He wanted his child to excel. He wanted his child to do better. And the only thing he required was that she applied herself. That she tried. And even if she tried and failed, he'd prop her back up and say, try again. Just like he would if she fell off that bicycle with no training wheels for the first time. These are the things we need to look at, and that's what's missing in the black community. camaraderie. Yes, true enough, many of us came here, our ancestors came here on different ships, from different tribes in Africa, speaking different languages, and on different plantations. Families were torn apart. And that contributed to our alienation. But we have to look at it from the standpoint of They survived, and that's in the past. And now, we have to make a better future. We've already tried it, the way we've been doing it for several hundred years, and it hasn't worked. Maybe we should try something new. Instead of asking for $20,000 in reparations, why don't we look at an education that will lift families out of poverty for change? Instead of going through that $20,000 and coming back and asking for more. An education is something that will stay with you for life, but it all depends on how you utilize it, how you build a constituency that will help you go forward in life. Everybody is doing it. That's how these people are making it. But there are some people that just don't have the will to do it. Because see. We get entitled. And we feel as though. They owe us something. They being. The American public. wait around as long as you want to. It ain't going to happen. You look at the Japanese that were interned in places like Manzanar during World War II. They didn't do that to the Japanese citizens in Hawaii. They did that in California and places out west. Those people lost more than $20,000 worth of Homes and cars and businesses. They lost a lot. That $20,000 will be gone through in no time. And you gotta remember, it's a small number compared to the larger number of African Americans. Was it 42 million? I think it's 40.1 now because. We had a decline in the birth rate recently. I did some stat checking last night. Another thing that we have to look at, we're going to have to get out of our feelings so much and start dealing with the facts and looking at facts and looking at those facts as a challenge instead of an embarrassment we can improve it as opposed to deny it these are things that we can do there was a lady that was upset with me when i quoted the amount of money that was spent on hair weaves and how little was spent on education and on how much money was spent in churches and how little was spent on education Because we have always been these people that were brought up to always try to see if we could make mainstream society appreciate us. We got to look at the role of the church in the community. What was the primary role? The primary role was this. It was a place where you could go and voice your opinions without the racist people and all of the people that didn't like you didn't hear you. You could talk about these things. I grew up in AME Church. I knew all about it. They ostracized Obama about Jeremiah Wright. What he was doing was expressing some of the frustrations that were in the black community. Still there. Because that was a place where you vented. That was a place that you prayed for. everyone, Johnson with you here, Romantic Truth Las Vegas. I hope everything's going well. We're going to talk about a subject that's going to be kind of touchy today in regards to your relationship and your partner's family. This is going to be something that may be a little bit uh, controversial, and it might ruffle a few feathers, but we do need to talk about it in particular. Reason being, this show deals with pretty much everything that deals with relationships, Now, here is the problem that um, we're going to be addressing today, several of them. The role of family members, of course, in a relationship. And also, the one thing I want to talk about in the beginning that's going to really um, address something that we need to talk about here. And that is those men, 40 and up, who are dating women who are grandmothers. Yes, we're going there. A lot of you guys are meeting women who are grandmothers. They have grown children, and their grown children have children. And with that, they work together. In other words, they love their family members, and they're doing anything for them. And what a lot of women have uh, written in about in particular is some of the difficulties they're having with that dynamic when it comes to the family. Now, I'm no family counselor, but I do have sense that may be considered common. As you know, I don't really believe in the term common sense because what's common to one group of people or one person is not sensible or common to another. Especially when you got emotions involved. But we're going to talk about this in the sense that we're all rational people. Now, the one difficulty that many women and some men are facing now when it comes to dating older is that they're running into problems with grandmothers and their daughters. In particular. A lot of mothers have not had that talk with their daughters and that's the problem and the talk I'm talking about is that one where they have to start establishing boundaries schedules and rules as far as babysitting as far as financial responsibilities and those kind of things and also as far as the lives of the grandmother now When I talk about this, what I'm talking about in particular is those women that will go this, that, and a third for their daughters and their grandchildren. Where sometimes the daughters will exploit their mothers in order to help take care of them. To a point where the grandparent has all the responsibility but no authority. That's a problem many families face. But it also encumbers her as far as her dating marketability. So what happens? Some of these ladies have written in about this. They wind up only trying to find a guy that's going to be willing to sit at the house and babysit with them on their dates. Yes. Because mama hasn't put her foot down with her daughter. There was one gentleman that wrote in and he was going to have dinner with the lady and they were going to go over to her place and he was going to go buy the dinner and they were going to cook the steaks and everything, make it more or less like a cooking date. And he was expecting to spend about $150 or so. He walked out of there with an $820 bill because he had to also buy groceries for her daughter and her five kids. Daughter had lost her government benefits, and he was upset about that. But he went on and paid it because he didn't want to be a jerk. Now, there are a couple of things that we have to realize here. We got to start setting boundaries for responsibility. I mean it's nice to be emotional and to be in love and to be caring but we also have to be realistic another woman wrote in about how her daughter dropped the kids off to her place daughter was going to scale down her life a bit she and her live-in boyfriend broke up so mom had to take care of her three kids three kids went to private school daughter was trying to See whether or not she can get the father to pay something on the private school bill. And instead, her mother had to go into her retirement to pay the tuition for that school. For three kids. She had already reared her kids and it's like a remedial thing where she's doing it again. You have some of them that will go. Drop off the parent, drop the kids off to the parent, to the grandparents. And the grandparents hasn't have no authority as far as what to do with the child if they were to get sick or something of that sort. Depending on what state you're in. And the mother doesn't want to be bothered. She's in pursuit of another man. But she won't send that sign over her parental rights or make them guardians or anything. So they're stuck. So, you have to deal with that dynamic sometimes as well. There have been instances where people have written in about the children being sick, and that's the only time they come up with grandmothers. They get dropped off when they're sick. Meaning, grandma winds up with a cold or whatever kind of condition that may be contagious as well. Out of love. And ladies, what this means is that men see when you're being exploited by your kids, but they don't say anything a lot of times. They'll just go in and let it flow. But you wonder why these guys leave. They leave because they're not gonna get used like you are. You're getting used through the color of love. They're objective. And naturally, it becomes an us against them mentality. as soon as these men see this they're walking away they don't want to deal with that shit just like many of you ladies would not want to deal with a man who had a daughter in that same predicament or even a son for that matter another factor that comes up that women don't talk about but some of you have written in about it anonymously about how you have reared your grown child. You're rearing their grandkids. And you're looking at the fact that your kid is damn near 40 and they fucked off their lives having kids and didn't go back to school and now all of a sudden they want to go back to college. And meanwhile, you're having to cover school clothes. You're having to cover all these other things. Baby daddy's not paying child support. You're having to feed the kids. And you're praying that she doesn't find someone else and fucks around and gets pregnant again. Another mouth to feed. And as soon as those kids become adult age, they probably don't come to visit. They don't want to have much to do with you. And then you have to deal with your own daughter. Trying to get you put in a rest home Or nursing home Because what they want to do Is exploit the use of you While you're still viable But when they feel as though They're going to take on the burden of liability Of your illness Your sickness Now all of a sudden They want to put you away You're too much of a liability for them they wanted you to take care of them and take care of everything associated with them but when it comes down to them taking care of you they just want to go and put you in a facility in some cases just to take the assets that you may have such as the house or the retirement fund that you have or money set aside and many of you mothers don't want to face that reality blinded by love And yet you wonder why these men won't touch you with a 10-foot pole. And those who do, that 10 feet is their dick and that's it. This is a reality. I told you, most dating sites, most dating coaches, most dating gurus, all of those other folks, they don't talk about shit like this. They're into the happy talk. They're into the bullshit side of dating. You know, that introduction phase. Oh, you wear this shirt and you wear this and you have these photos and you make sure that you have a good, tight headshot with your teeth whitened and. Okay, after the sale is made, you're dealing with the relationship, right? And you're dealing with complications and situations. So fellas, you're going to have to reevaluate how you approach things, you got to look at things like this. This is an incentive for a lot of men to wind up dating younger women, this is why a lot of them do. But here's another thing that you have to also understand as well. It puts an undue burden on some grandparents. Seriously. They want to go and fill their bucket list like the one lady did, she was 65, and just getting ready to retire from a municipal agency. She wanted to sell the house, her husband had passed away. And she wanted to downsize, get a condo, and she wanted to travel the world. That was her plan, that was her bucket list. They would've been in a nine year relationship. In her early forties. Man never thought enough to marry her. Kicked her out of his place. Quit his job so he didn't have to pay child support. She comes back home. Mom can't sell the house because grandkids need a place to stay, so does a daughter. And the money she had planned on using for her trip. Nope had to be used to help her child. And it's grave disappointment because this particular lady who wrote in stayed in a marriage that was broken three years in. She realized it was broken. And she stayed in it for the sake of her children all those years. The abuse, the cheating, the neglect, counseling she toughed it out and then when he passed away she felt liberated but she wasn't because she still had that burden I know we don't like to look at it that way this is the way it is you know years ago i had a friend that lived in carson california and he had a 19 year old daughter she had two kids two different men she had been living with one guy and while she was living with the guy the guy cheated on her and so she went on and got pregnant by another guy and so the guy that she was living with kicked her out she went to the other guy the other guy didn't want to have nothing to do with her and she was talking about coming back home well my friend said you can come back home with are conditions and of course he and his wife got into odds because the wife was like no my daughter can come back and stay as long as she wants to with the kids blah 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 well things went well for the first couple of years then she started her old habits again going out there hanging out letting the grandparents take care of the kids she fucked around and got pregnant a third time. Mom was still the advocate. No, she stays with us. Grandbaby stays with us. Guys started coming over and they started having altercations. She was still saying, stays with us. And finally, my friend had enough. He went on and divorced her. He said, we're gonna sell the damn house. You're going your way. And if you want to take care of her on your own, you can. I'm not doing it. I'm done. I've given her all the opportunities and chances. And the interesting thing was, his son had more kids than she did by the same woman. And he never came back home for anything. never asked for anything. That was because he made wiser choices than the daughter did. Your life choice will dictate your lifestyle. Now, the other thing that we have to keep in mind with this, and it's hard, I know it is for some of you to have that conversation, but some of you may need to and say, Hey, look, um, we got to lay some ground rules. First of all, you don't drop the kids off. Call and ask me and then I will make an arrangement to schedule but I won't have any problem to take care of Next day I will request to take the kids and what you're doing in that way is you want to see them as a grandparent you don't want to alienate them but you want to have a structure where you can really spend good time with them quality time. next thing it's going to be a cyclical thing there should be a schedule the one thing that grandparents don't want to do is to have to help rear those kids again the parents should have got it right the first time and what this means is that that kid that adult may need some guidance, true enough, but they should do the work. It's not your responsibility as a grandparent to take on rearing those children again. Now, true enough, there are some parents that are faced with a situation where they have an irresponsible daughter or son and they take the reins and they have to do it, but Check with the laws in your state to see if you can get guardianship. If needs need be, talk to your attorney. Just don't take it from me. Talk to your attorney, your lawyer, in your area that specializes in family law. In a lot of states, grandparents don't have that many rights. See, one thing you want to avoid is taking on the liability and then go through the, the motions of getting things together, and then when you've done that, then they're saying, you're too old, you're a burden, now let me put your ass in a nursing home. That's what happened to a lot of the people that went to a nursing home when my mom was. Kids that used them. I know with some in there where the kids you know, didn't appreciate the way some of them were treated when they were growing up. But there were a lot in there that did the right thing by their kids and didn't get the right thing done by them. Now, with this, sometimes, kids will also try to control assets, meaning that they don't really want mama getting with the man he may be entitled to something that they might miss out on they want to get their assets so these are things you got to think about and you got to be wise about it and get your feelings out of it and get your logic into it because many of you are at a point in your lives where hell if you're sixty like I'm 61. I only got a few years left. I can start counting the years now before I die. So it's a lot of shit I wanted to do still, but I've done all the major shit I wanted to do. That's been done. That was done in my youth. So now I'm trying to do the things that will preoccupy me and keep my mind off of the inevitable. That's the way it goes. And so with that, all that stress and bullshit. When I was younger, I could take it. As an older man, hmm, got no time for it. Because it's stressful now, knowing that I got a target on my back. Not from anybody, but from life. And that right there is stressful enough. And so therefore, we have to look at some things very, very candidly. And so you might have to have that talk with your kids and explain to them, okay, if if I'm taking care of them um, and they're going to private school, for instance, you're going to pay the tuition. I'm on a fixed income. I can't pay that tuition or else they're going to have to go to public school. You cannot maintain their lifestyle for them. You're going to be on a fixed income. They're still working. They can make more money than you can in their existence because they have more time and they haven't probably peaked in their career yet. You've already done so. Why do you think so many people who retire, the first thing they try to do is to reduce as much overhead as possible because they're knowing that they're going to go into a lower income bracket when they retire. And that money that they've put away, they're gonna go through that shit very quickly. Because you're gonna spend it when you retire faster than you earned it when you were working. Because the dollar is not gonna have the same value. Think about it for a moment. Only a few decades ago, there weren't that many billionaires and millionaires. It was harder to become one. Now it's easier. When you look at the value of a dollar, when a dollar used to mean something, look at the comparison and contrast they give you now. What it would say something back in 1918 cost about was ten thousand dollars and today's dollars it would be so many million because of that so these are things that you have to really concern yourselves with not to worry over but to think about because see the whole thing is if you get to a point of allowing your emotional enthusiasm to put you in a compromising situation, it's gonna leave you exploited if you're not careful. I'm not saying being an adversary against your kids or anything like that, but be mindful. Just be mindful. And aware. The one thing I don't pump on this show is fear. It's all about awareness. If you want to keep it real. You want you thinking before you love. That's the key. Because see, here's the thing you have to understand too. Many of you ladies go on Bumble or in these different dating sites trying to find a guy. A man's going to judge you by how logistically difficult it will be to date you see a lot of you think it's about the physical thing about your gray hair and all of that Mm -mm. it's about okay what is attached to her how many moving parts do I have to deal with what they're looking for fewer moving parts you know in the Battle of the Bulge, a lot of the King Tiger tanks and the big tanks had problems. BMW made their dri- drivetrain. There was a lot of sensors, a lot of inner workings, a lot of moving parts. So it was not uncommon for them to break down a lot. Not that BMW weren't great engineers, but for the environment, didn't work out so well. Well, the Sherman tanks were a little bit more simpler. True enough, they were smaller and a lot more vulnerable, but they were more reliable and easier to fix. Ladies, the women that are more appealing to the men are the Sherman tanks, the practical women. You know, just like you go for the practical guy after you've gone for the more complex guy and he's broken down on you like that King Tiger tank did. That's what we're dealing with. This is not to create any kind of animosity between you and your children, but this is to uh, have a voice for yourself. Because a lot of you don't speak up. I remember I dated a woman one time and uh, she had two grandbabies and her daughter would just come over to the house, knock the horn, the kids would get out and they would come in and I remember her complaining about, I wish she would let me know. We had eaten out, she had to go in the kitchen and cook them something. I offered, I said, Hey, you know, I'll go get them. And she said, No, no, it's my responsibility. You got to watch that level of exploitation. Now, I know some parents want to help their daughters with child care because it's expensive. In the state of New Mexico, it actually costs more for child care than it would be for you to go and graduate from college. That's the way it is. But see, it all depends on your life choices, that's the key. And what happens usually, what do you usually hear? The condom busted. Well, was there any other protectionary measure beside the condom, an IUD? Which on birth control as well. The biggest setback a man could have is to have a child that he's not ready to take care of. For you ladies, you already know that. For yourselves. But if you don't have any aspirations and you were planning on the man to take care of everything, oh, it's right down your alley. But you can always shame him into, you're the man. Man up, be responsible. How the hell are you gonna tell somebody to be responsible? That was irresponsible when he put his dick in you. He was responsible enough to fuck you and get you pregnant. And what does that say about your responsibility? Interesting thought process, huh? See, there's an assumption that grandparents are wealthy because they have their retirement. A lot of them have a lot of debt they got to deal with. Some of them are retiring and they still got mortgages. They still have cars to pay off. Some of them even have still student loans they got to pay off. they just tired of working at 65, or the company's getting ready to let them go, and it's going to be very difficult for them to find anything else. There was one company I worked with, I worked in separation. And, there was some of the nicest people when I got there. Some of the people were department heads and different positions. Until the company was doing the downsizing. And then I had had to hand them the golden parachute package. And kind of persuade them to go on and take the package you're not going to get a better deal by trying to stay on your job and keeping it because they were going to send it overseas or discontinue it altogether. If I had a tape recorder, some of the names I was called in that building.
0: Hmm.
1: I'm just glad security was there so many times. And I hear these people talk about they worked there for 20 years, 30 years. Cradle to the grave, people, thinking that the company was going to take care of them all that time. And it's like, take it while you can get your retirement now. Take it while you can get some health care benefits. Take it while you can get this and that. Oh, that was something that just said, oh, hell no, I got a kid in college. Still got a mortgage. I can't afford to do that. And then I'd look at him and just say, dude, you're 65 years old. Who's going to hire you? Why are you going to make this kind of money? Because we got to face something. See, we bullshit ourselves about age, a lot of corporations don't. much of a so we got to be realistic about it a lot of people don't want to let go of that period when they were basking in the sun but you have to now I know a lot of you probably don't agree with me on things well that's your right and your opinion but what I am telling you is that this is something just to look at. I'm not here to persuade you. As you know, I've had this show for five years, and the one thing I don't do is try to change your mind and persuade you. And the reason being, I always let you figure it out. Because it'd be foolish for me to try to think for you, like a lot of these other people try to do. You have the information. It depends on what you're going to do with it. Now, other things too. And ladies, you going to have to watch this because I've seen this happen too. Sometimes your kids will make you older by telling you what you can't do. You already know what you can't do because you're older yourself. It's their perception of you. And sometimes they're teasing you and it's fun. It's okay. But sometimes they are kind of putting you in... box or a category. Let me just take my mom or dad and just put them over here, and we're going to sell the house and move them in with us so we have more control over them. And this person is like they're in a box and don't have a life. You got to remember one thing, a person deserves to have their happiness. When my mother got ill, I took care of her for a very long time. And I always wanted her to enjoy her life as much as I could until it got to beyond my capacity to do my job because of the fact that it got to a point I was no doctor. So I had to turn her over to the professionals. And that's a hard thing for people to do. They'll go and set up the whole bedroom like it's a damn hospital room and have shifts to take care of the parent and take classes in order to know how to take care of them and all that. That's all well and good if you got an ensemble of people to help you. Most people don't have that. Most families are small. I've seen marriages break up over having to take care of parents. Mine was a victim of it. But here's the thing. When you know you have a commitment or an obligation to something. You got to stand by it. Now if it's a situation where you know you're running yourself ragged. Nobody wants to be around you because they're afraid that you're going to ask them to help you in some kind of capacity. And they don't want to be bothered. They're hands off. And spouses and girlfriends and boyfriends do this shit all the time. That's your problem. You take care of it. It's not worth the effort to have those people in your lives. You can struggle by yourself. You can get told it's your burden by yourself. You can tell yourself that shit. That means that that person is there for the benefit of being with you, not for the liability of being with you. And a lot of you young folks mean well by maybe quitting your job, taking a lower paying job, getting your hours cut, taking a part-time job so you can take care of your parents at home while you're working. That shit will burn you out if you're not careful. And you also got to keep an eye on the scope of what you can do, what your capacity is as a layperson, not a professional. Because you're doing your parents a disservice if you're still trying to study and find out something, but they may need to have immediate care now. And this is where we run into problems with parents and people such as family members. We get selfish. And there's another selfish act we do. You know that funeral we spend all that money on to parade around? That's all about us. Oh yeah, we're acknowledging the person that passed away, but I want you to think about one thing. That person that's in that casket is not going to enjoy one moment of that celebration. It's all for the living. That big show. The sweaty past up there. The people that are going up there to the podium lying about how great that person was. Everybody's lying about how well they're going into heaven. when oh, people are dressed to the nines, first time they've ever been in a limousine was the family car. Wanna be seen. And then they make this dumbass statements. statement. Oh, that funeral was beautiful. How the fuck was it beautiful? Yeah, the show was beautiful, but the person is dead. it was all about the celebration for the people living just like a wedding I'll never forget a friend of mine had passed away years ago, and went to the funeral. He didn't have any life insurance. Everybody had pitched in: two hundred here, five hundred there, a thousand there. To give him a decent burial. He had family members out of state. These people were doing very well for themselves in Maryland, Virginia. had good jobs with the government and so forth. And they came out to California. And they criticized them because the funeral was too modest. And they got mad with this family member because they didn't have the pomp and circumstances because they wanted to take pictures and send them back to their friends and constituents back home. And they were embarrassed by the casket. They were embarrassed about the modest spray of flowers. But what they didn't realize, that friend of mine, that had passed away. He was homeless for almost five years. Stayed in my place for a while. They never lifted a finger. Every time he called them, they hung up the phone. He wasn't a bad man. had no addictions, no drugs. He was somebody that was trying to get on his feet. i never forget he told me, he said, man, I'm only be here six weeks at the max. He says, if I'm here longer than that, please kick me out because I don't want to be dependent. He was out in three weeks. I respect him for that, checked on, make sure he was okay, he had a good job. And he was able to go on with his life. He had one daughter. And she had to arrange everything. The reason why he didn't have life insurance money. He made sure that his daughter could go to college. He made sure that his daughter could have everything that he didn't have. As much as he could. He didn't even look out for himself. You don't find sacrifices like that too often now, where people do things like that for other people. Now, a lot of people feel as though they're entitled for you to do things for them. They don't say thank you. They tell you that's not enough. I'm going to leave you with this on this segment. It's not about you creating a riff in your family. The only thing this is about is establishing some boundaries and some rules. At least do that for yourself. Alright, now we're going to talk about another aspect that you may face as someone dating someone when it comes to their family. You may find that you've found a nice person. However, that person can never make a decision for themselves. The family makes the decision for them. They defer to the family on every aspect of their lives and development. And the reason why some do this is because they lose confidence in their own judgment. Now, this could be brought about, for instance, if they had made some poor choices and partners in the past and the family had to help them out in some kind of way. Then that person may be under perpetual umbrella of suspicion. Therefore, Anything that this person does is questioned. They may not feel as though this person is adequate enough in their decision-making skills in order to think for themselves. Family may believe that. And so, this person has self-doubt fostered in their understanding of what's going on when it comes down to them making a decision to be with someone. In other words, it's a bad idea for me to think for myself, let me get affirmation from my family members. Then I'll make a choice. Oh, they don't like my boyfriend? Well, we got to end the relationship. And it could very well be it's not your boyfriend that they don't like, it's the decisions you've made in the past that they don't trust, so therefore It reflects on their appreciation of you when it comes down to the decisions you make. It's more of an indictment, really, of you. Complimented by their opinion of the way you make decisions. Now, hear me out. There's one thing that I want to express here when they get to a point where they've already questioned your judgment and they're treating you as if you can't really think for yourself what they're actually doing is assuming control so if you're only going by their judgment They may say you'll come out better just being by yourself. How many times have you heard people say that, ladies? How many of your girlfriends have said that to you? When you have a potentially good relationship in development, and that other one, other friend of yours, or even family member in some some cases, may not. Trying to pass the pessimism. Just like the winos will pass a bottle of wine to each other. The other thing that I want you to understand too is this, as a person that would meet someone that has this kind of dynamic in their family, you would be wise to question whether or not it'd be a good choice to even be with that person in a relationship, because what happens when their brain, meaning the family, is not there to think for them? They may not have enough confidence in your judgement. And they may put you in the same category as they think of themselves. Because after all, you chose them to be in that relationship. You know a lot of these uh, couples that wind up in these cults. This is a prime example. Both of them have self-doubt. And they look for an answer from someone else. And that someone else's answer is more valid than their own. So this would mean that you would be in a relationship with this person, but you'd be subservient to the family and their opinion. You guys could agree on something, and then all of a sudden, things change. You're not aware of this change. You're wondering, well, where the hell did that come from? How did, how did this change? It's because of family member had influence over that partner of yours and the last thing you do is get in a tug of war because two things are going to happen usually either that person your partner going to side with their family are going to play the role of being confused trying to be mediator and the reason why they do this is to actually nullify their responsibility in making a choice A lot of young men run into this problem and I talked about this before Younger man gets an older woman pregnant Let's say his mom is 49 years old He's 18 The woman that he is talking to is 29 years old Single mom of 3 His mother was a single mother And she knew how hard it was Still has some regrets because the son never knew who his father really was. Mom doesn't really know. She's just making the assumption. She was young then, didn't know what was going on. And now, it's at a point where her son may be taking on a single mom with responsibility. And she's trying to talk him out of it. Tell about all the liabilities. And he's listening to mom out of respect. But he's listening to this other woman out of desire. And that woman finally tells the mom after they have this big drag down fallout. I'm fucking him, you not. You'll probably remain silent. Then the power move would be her saying, let's go. That's how she would punk it. And the minute he trails this woman, mama throws her hands up. Can't help you from here, son. He gets with the woman has a baby with her, fourth child. They get into an argument. You're no kind of man, you're not making enough money. You gotta support me and my babies. Comes home to bellyache to his mom about the whole thing. Mom passively listens, but she's really not giving any input because she's still pissed about the choice, the betrayal. And he's listening. I mean he's telling me and she's listening. She gives him marginal feedback. Gets back with this woman. She tells him you got to quit seeing your mom. So she isolates him. Alienates him. He comes back to his mom to see his mom only when she's sick. And by this time, the rest of the family is looking at him as if to say, Why the hell are you here? His baby mama's has lost confidence in him. She's ready now to move on. She's been living with him for a while. Nothing has progressed going forward she gets with another man that she thinks is the meal ticket for her she leaves him paying child support he wants to see his kids she makes it difficult he pays the child support she's going on with her new happy life probably has another kid with the, dude that, the new dude And as she does so, the last kid she has has a lower priority over the newest one. I've seen that happen personally. I was with the lady one time. The baby daddy that was responsible, that would pick the kid up, buy him things cordial that I met. She couldn't stand him. The kid that she gave the special treatment to, the child of the thug that was locked up, that never had a job and lived off of her and used her, that's where her heart was. And that kid got treated better than the rest. And then she would get mad at the at the responsible father because he would take care of his kid, and she would always tell him, you "No, know, don't buy anything for our child if you're not buying it for our children." He's like, "Well, wait a minute." Mm-mm. So he did the next wisest thing. able come over to visit, all of the shit that he bought for him was at his house, with his new woman. It was kind of pathetic, because when he had to go back to his mother, he couldn't take a lot of this shit with him. Didn't understand it. Family dynamic is something else folks, and men I will tell you, if you gotta make a choice between a woman or your mother, choose your mother, tell her fuck the mama's boy shit. The women that are gonna get your ass triggered on that masculinity thing, understand that's the way she's gonna treat you for the rest of your relationship. She's going to always treat you as if you're inadequate or less than. That's a woman that's disrespecting you from the gate. And here's the thing you got to ask yourself. Are you calling me a mama's boy, but why the fuck are you with this mama's boy? Apparently you like mama's boys. Maybe you should find that question. The very thing you complain about is the very thing you accept. Hypocrite. So what does that tell you, fellas? You can't take her seriously anyway. Because her feelings are leading her. plenty of dudes that stayed at home 22, 23, 24, 25 they didn't stay until they were 30 though but the reason why they did that they saved up money to move in their own place get their own cars women didn't condemn them for that see here's the thing guys especially young guys the reason why women push you like that They got something, they have an agenda to be met. You're the tool for them to meet it. That's the reason why they go and they punk you like that. It's about a lifestyle that they want. They don't give a fuck about you. These women know what they're getting into when they're dating you. The problem is you have some that are so emotionally damaged and insecure and feel as though they have to control something because they couldn't control some of the shit that happened to them in their lives. That they feel as though they got to be in charge. I remember I met one lady that was like that we were thinking about going out and she goes and she says, well, you know, back in ancient times, women ruled everything. I said, yeah, but there's only one caveat that you're leaving out. I said, a lot of the women were left in charge because the men were gone for battle. So they had a lot of power when the men were away. But in society and many other societies had that same shit. And she was like, "Well, yeah, but, but, but," I said, "No. You look at throughout history. Look at Rome. How many female emperors did Rome have? Even when we look at Greek mythology, it's a mythology, not a reality." And I explained to her that what she didn't realize in certain civilizations, the reason why they let women be in charge, and ladies, this is nothing sexist, but a lot of them did that because they felt as though their empires and kingdoms would not be overrun because they would respect a woman over a man. A man would have to fight, the woman would provide an exemption. That was one of the things that years ago the old mob used to do. I don't know if they still do it. Where they would have a grandmother or an older lady in charge of the family. Less likely that they're gonna lock an old lady up. but one of her young sons, or oh, they would put his ass and lock him up in no time. Let's see what we try to do. We try to make this egalitarian appeal. We're rewriting history and everything else in order to fit our narrative. And then the next generation is going to come along and they're going to write their own. And then it's not even going to be relevant. It'll only be relevant to the people that lived in that era until they pass away. Think about how difficult... We're trying to make the Bible relevant now. Not too many of us are agriculturally based people, are we? So we try to make it fit into our modern day. And we look at it, there are many parallels to human interaction, feelings, and emotions. And so what we try to do is to substitute things then for things now. And then as we go through in the future, somebody else might write another book. And try to glamorize how great we were in our day and age. They would never know because they didn't live it. So they could say anything. And anyone could write the book. And it goes on through perpetuity because the problem is people don't live long enough in order to carry on the legacy. We have a short lifespan. So we don't have a constant continuum. We're trying now with all kind of time capsules and stuff. But for the most part, we're preoccupied with other things. But here's what I want to get to. More so than anything here. You're gonna to have to really assess whether or not that'll be a suitable relationship for you if you're dealing with a partner that's easily persuaded or governed by their parents. In many cultures, yes, the family has the last word, especially. If it's through tradition, culture, or religiously based. Arranged marriages, that kind of shit. But you got to remember, you're being used as a vehicle for the family's agenda in that kind of situation, whether you like it or not. So are you really living your life or the lives of somebody else that they want to impose on you? That's a fucked up thing Even now I get email from women Different parts of the country Some parts of the world They want to now go out of their comfort zone They want to date men of other races and ethnicities Because they couldn't do it When their parents were alive they couldn't do it when the family had a chokehold on their future. This one lady wrote in. First time she had black dick and was talking about it just like she was trying to sell a brand new car. Sound like a damn black dick commercial. And I started asking myself, I was like, damn, my dick was like that? And I hadn't even slept with the woman, but she had got with one dude, because over the years, she was brought up, stay away from those people, it happens, but it's about control folks, is your partner in control of their lives? Or is it a situation where you're going to be in a tug of war? Love shouldn't hurt. It should not hurt at all, not one bit. Here's the way I look at relationships that are volatile. It's the equivalent of you going out in the street corner and pushing a person. Say, hit me. That's where those volatile relationships are. Unpredictable. You don't know what that person's going to do in response. Why the fuck would you be in one of those? Why the fuck would you allow your heart to go in that direction? Yeah, you get mad, and you want to whoop somebody's ass, and all that stuff. But you know what? If that person's gotten that kind of response out of you, maybe you shouldn't be with them. Why don't you try to talk about it? Oh, we've been together so long. That don't mean shit. Problem's still there. Don't equate time with healing. Time is just time. Time doesn't give a fuck about you. Doesn't give a fuck about your feelings. It's the work you do on yourself. It's the healing that you do. Time doesn't do shit. Even if you were to die, and let's say miraculously, you come back in the afterlife 5,000 years later, Time's gonna be sitting there reading a newspaper looking at, oh, nice seeing you again. Not gonna give a shit. Oh yeah, you can stand in line over there. Yeah, you'll be dying in about 10 years, 100 years or whatever. 10 years, yeah, right. That's what you're dealing with. (laughs) But we have to look at it from that perspective. And one other thing too, folks. This influence is not just with family, it could be with friends. then what you also have to watch how dates and everything are arranged around family events gets to a point where every date you go on with this person you're having to go to one of their family events that's your date that shit gets old you gotta diversify take your time. The one thing that I enjoyed about the 30 plus years I was out there on the dating scene, got a chance to meet all kind of women. Different ethnicities, different nationalities, different foods, different languages, different cultures. But guess what we're the same? The human dynamic, the way people interacted. And for those of you guys who asked Is one woman's type of pussy different than another? They're all the same. They're all the same. They all feel the same. Feels good too, let me tell you. really does. So, there's no difference between sleeping with a Chinese woman, then sleeping with a woman from Africa, then sleeping with one from South America. sometimes you know we like to look at women as exotic foods or something don't put yourself through it it'll save you the hassle now the other thing too is this even if that person does have autonomy and their family is not really putting input into their decisions if they're constantly seeking it out from other people before they can make any decision and even if that person throws the decision back to them and say no you gotta make your own decision if they're constantly doing that You're going to have more problems on your hands later on than you think. An insecure and indecisive person is problematic. More in a moment, folks.
0: We at Romantic Truth appreciate your listenership. Listeners, you're invited to stream and listen to Jawson's music on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, AudioMac, or Deezer. Type in J-A-U-S-A-N in the search for artists to follow and like modern instrumental music from his discography. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those solely of the host and are not condoned or endorsed by Romantic Truth, Anchor, or any of its affiliates,
1: The advice given herein is the expressed opinion of the host and not to be used for legal, marital, or family, counseling, or for professional practice purposes. In the event for professional assistance, please contact the local licensed professional family counselor, marriage counselor, or social services professional in your region.
0: If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. Available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. Be advised that all of the background music of production not provided by Anchor is owned by James Adams and Jaws and One Music exclusively licensed for this Romantic Truth Podcast under waiver.
1: Please understand that there were no people or animals hurt in the segments of this show including plants. All sound effects were improvised in the studio setting with props. We are an equal opportunity employer with two Yorkie poodles and a rat terrier as the security detail.
0: Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.